today on Doomed. Have you guys heard of critical race theory yet? I mean, and, and it's easy to miss. Not many people are talking about it. Uh, you might have to take a minute right now if you're listening to the podcast version of this show or if you're watching the live stream. Just go over to your web browser, pull up Google, and uh, type it in. You might not have... Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. I'm just being a little bit... uh been silly with you guys because you've without a doubt heard of critical race theory because the right wing cannot honestly shut up about it. This is the right's new obsession. This is what they're honing in on. This is their latest culture war. And quite frankly, they're so uh, set on critical race theory that I think it might even go well beyond just the normal culture war of Dr. Seuss books being banned or, uh, you know, of course, by the Dr. Seuss estate themselves. Or, you know, uh, some uh, actor apologizing for saying a slur or something like that. We'll get into all of this, what critical race theory is, why the right's obsessed with it, what they're doing about it, all of that in just one second. But first, I need to introduce my guest. And to do that, I need to pull us up here on the screen. Here we go. Joining me to discuss critical race theory and the rights, uh, frankly, their attack on it, is Sergio Munez. He is a po- uh, excuse me a policy director at Media Matters for America. And uh, first, I want to say welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. And second, I want to say I have been following. Uh, Media Matters' work on critical race theory. Well, what the rights, you know, the right wing uh, targeting of critical race theory. And it's been honestly fantastic. You guys have pointed out a number of uh, very interesting things that we are going to talk about during this episode. And and honestly, the reports you uh, and your team have been putting out have been great. Well, thank you very much. We uh, always appreciate the readership. And uh, it's definitely, there's been plenty of fodder for us to write about and look into. Um, as you pointed out, if, if anyone has had the misfortune to uh, watch Fox News or even attend a school board meeting yes, uh, recently, they probably heard uh, this phrase tossed around a lot. Um, critical race theory, as, as you mentioned, uh, is absolutely saturating uh, right-wing media, both on television and in the online spaces right now. Um, we did notice it earlier in the year, and we had actually uh, anecdotally noticed it last year, but it really re- reached a fever pitch, honestly, uh, in the past couple of months, um, most noticeably on Fox News. Uh, in just three and a half months, they successfully managed to mention it 1,300 times, which um, you know, we watch a lot of Fox News, and that is definitely a high, high degree of uh, saturation of a certain topic. Um, it is repeated in the online space as well. Obviously, not so much in terms of mentions, but in in, in, in terms of posts and engagements, uh, we're seeing it as well. The right wing is dominating the conversation, and they're pushing it. And the way they're pushing it is very similar to how they're pushing it on television, to be honest, as a scare tactic. As a scare tactic... Uh, which has an overt overt, uh, racial tinge to it, uh, oftentimes very racist tinge to it. And it's a mobilization tactic. It's a mobilization tactic, which is really whipping up uh, a lot of people, which happen to be of a certain political stripe uh, and a certain right-wing political stripe. 
and they're taking action. Uh, you did mention uh, a little bit about uh, some of the, the online organizations they're doing. Uh, we put out a report today, as you mentioned, tracking these Facebook groups. Uh, Facebook groups obviously is a way that a lot of people get in touch with each other and, and, and order, organize around various political issues. But critical race theory is clearly right now an extremely engaging topic for uh, right-leaning uh, Facebook groups. Some of them are brand new, some of them have been appropriated to this cause recently, uh, but they're growing and they're connected. Um, uh, I, I can see you're about to jump in, so I'll stop right there. No, no, this is this is great. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to stop you, to be honest. But, <laughs> but what I actually want to do first, because I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, because obviously we can probably jump right in it and know exactly what we're talking about. But I want to actually to take it back a few steps, and for people who actually, you know, I, I was I was joking in the beginning of the. Uh, the uh, in my intro at the beginning of this episode that like you know you've had to be living under a rock to not have at least heard the term critical race theory due to this fever pitch like you said that it's hit but for those people who you know aren't in this this world where they can you know watch all these you know political shows and be very online and see what's going on you know for people who are just stepping in and saying hey you know I'm, I'm I'm just going around, going about my day, and I hear critical race theory, you know, on the radio, or as I'm, you know, going to the store on like a TV set I pass by. What what is critical race theory? I just don't know. Can you explain for those people what critical race theory is? Excellent question, and I'm sure a lot of folks tossing around the phrase aren't entirely sure of it as well. <laughs> there is the the manufactured meaning, which is out there right now. I think the manufactured meaning is that it's some sort of uh, either reverse racism towards uh, white folk, or it is a way of uh, continuing uh, a racist uh, race essentialism, as they put it, where everyone cannot escape uh, certain uh, stereotypes or certain placements uh, that are ascribed to them by their race. These are all nothing to do with actually what critical race theory is. Critical race theory is much smaller, uh, even though you would think it was this gargantuan, universal, secret to the universe theory. It's an academic theory uh, that was developed in mostly law schools. That's pretty much the place where you are going to find it. Now and then it's in graduate schools as well. Um, I'm sure there are a few uh, schools beneath that, high schools with, with some very precocious teachers and precocious students talking about it, but it's primarily a field of study in law schools. It's a legal field of study. It was uh, sort of a, 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 not necessarily a spinoff, but uh, a continuation of critical legal studies, which is a way of sort of looking at the power dynamics uh, behind whatever framework, uh, political framework or legal framework you're looking at, trying to see, trying to analyze that framework uh, by looking at the dynamics within it uh, that ascribe power to different groups. So critical race theory uh, took it by looking at uh, you, looking at whiteness as a political grouping, a political grouping of power in the history of the country. And if you look at it in that respect, then a lot of the institutions that have been built up over history um, fit that framework uh, with different political groupings, depending on where their power uh, resides within society, are located up and down that framework or, or, or whatever direction you choose to look at. And then you can look at how that framework is adapted to the American economy, how that framework is adapted to American housing, um, how that framework is adapted to education in this country, looking it through uh, how power dynamics 
based on the political grouping um, by uh, uh, race uh, and, and racing quotes as it is as a, as a power dynamic, um, how it fits into that framework. So it's not so much a book that's out there so much as it is a way to orient yourself when you are analyzing where power resides in any specific structure. Um, does that sound very esoteric? It is. It's extremely esoteric. Uh, does it sound like it's a certain code? Yes. I mean, law school, <laughs> and I say this as a lawyer, it, it's a professional association. So a lot of the trick to it is you, you figure out ways to talk and analyze things that only only suckers that pay hundreds of thousands of dollars can and learn <laughs> how to comprehend. So, you know, in some respects, it is uh, a way of looking at the world that your average person that doesn't go to law school certainly knows. Anyone that's grown up in America or anyone that has studied remotely uh, what uh, uh, a struggle it's been to actually achieve or try to achieve a multiracial democracy in this country, anyone that is aware of that history, anyone that's aware of current events can see for themselves how, uh, how we have a record in this country of uh, uh, categorizing political groups by so-called race. Uh, whiteness itself uh, was a political power grouping in this country in order to uh, maintain the power structure that we were built upon. You know, this is history, and uh, it's history that, you know, some people are lucky enough to learn in school, and some people aren't. But what we're seeing right now is a pushback on even learning that sort of history. And the pushback seems to have caught on by by putting everything on this uh, esoteric uh, term of, of critical race theory to, to, to encompass all of American history and all of America's history with, with race and slavery and discrimination and our struggles to actually achieve a multiracial democracy. Clearly, we're trying to fit much, much, much too much into a much narrower academic field. Uh, but it's a strategy, and it's a strategy that has been succeeding. Uh, you know, I, I think, I, I think as we we were talking about, it is a mobilization tactic, and 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 it's rallying people. And this is a kind of an old trick in the in the book. Uh, and both political parties do that. You figure out different ways to rally folks to 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 your cause, to your banner, um, to your principles. Right. But we've seen recently on the right is that they've been manufacturing uh, certain outrages or certain causes, which some people call it cultural causes or, or cultural wedges. We saw it most famously, which I'm sure everyone remembers, uh, with the Tea Party movement, where uh, I, you know the, the, the racist tinge wasn't so overt that time. It was ostensibly about you know, uh, uh, fiscal conservatism, which was amusing after after the Republicans had run up the bill, as they tend to do. But it, it was about fiscal conservatism. It wasn't about the country's first black president. It was about fiscal conservatism and then opposition to universal health care. It wasn't about perhaps uh, health care going to other groups in this country that are not the politically powerful. No, no, no. It was about purely academic things. But it was a mobilizing cry. And there's people that say that it did have success in uh, tilting uh, electoral results to Republicans. Certainly possible. Uh, we've seen this multiple times uh, in addition to the Tea Party. And this could be what we're seeing now is that they threw a few things against the wall to see what would stick after the 2016 after the 2020 losses. And critical race theory is clearly stuck. Right. Uh, it is it is it is it is galvanizing people at school boards. It is galvanizing legislators. 
they are doing this for uh, overtly political ends, uh, and and sometimes honestly some ahistorical, uh, some ahistorical attempts towards furthering racist ends. To be honest, whether or not it's a continuation of denying certain history for our children, or denying uh, the ability to talk about this history, or even maybe continuing the voter suppression that's been going on. Um, it's all tied up within what we see as right now as a backlash against what was, again, uh, a blossom or again, a step forward in our multiracial democracy with a huge turnout we saw recently to turn out the last president. Right. Now, now I, I, I mean, I'm not a lawyer and I'm, I'm but I haven't learned this in school, but, you know, I am as someone in this world, I'm aware of what critical race theory is like the, 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 what, what it teaches. And I mean, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know that it had a name because I didn't I didn't know it was called critical race theory till recently right. because I just thought this is something that people who are just, you know, educated and want to learn about the history of this country and why things are the way they are even to this day uh, learn about. You know, I, it just seems pretty, pretty standard stuff. But what, what is it? You, you, you honestly gave a, a fantastic overview of what critical race theory is uh, actually is, I should say. But let me ask you this now, from what you and Media Matters has seen, what is the rights interpretation of critical race theory? Because it's it's not quite that. I mean, it sort of is because obviously they're against that, too, because you usually see them say that, like, you know, any sort of critique or look at America's history, God forbid, is anti-American in some sort of way. But what is it? But I've also seen things just like literally just like talking to children about race like how perhaps uh people uh, your friend who is a different color might but uh, regard regardless besides the fact that i should say if this is actually happening in schools this is not even like exactly what that is like they just think basic like discussion of like everyday uh you know life as someone of a different color is some sort of anti-white anti-american uh, backlash or something like that. It's, it's, is, is that sort of what you're seeing in terms of the rights interpretation of what exactly they mean when they're saying critical race theory? I mean, it's a, gr- it's a great question. Um, and, you know, there's really no simple answer to it just because I want to, I, I do want to, there, there's not necessarily a vast right-wing conspiracy that's encompassing everyone's use of critical race theory. Some of it is semi-organic. Some of it is even perhaps organic, whether or not someone's hearing this and they're just taking it in a certain direction of their own volition. They might be doing it off of misinformation for sure, but they might not be part of a coordinated apparatus. So I think what we've seen, to get to get to your question, what we've seen is uh, a lot of folks uh, putting under the umbrella term of critical race theory, literally anything that makes them uncomfortable, literally anything that makes them uncomfortable about the society they're living in in 2021. Um, it usually breaks down along political lines. It usually is folks that are not comfortable with uh, a, a Democratic president or Democratic Congress or even frankly, people that maybe aren't comfortable with what it really means to live in a multiracial democracy where the political groupings are not necessarily dominated uh, by one group, uh, which is what we've seen historically uh, is something that's been enforced by the state and has been enforced de facto in this country. Uh, so we see a lot of, of, of things that scare folks, 
um, that they put under critical race theory. Uh, usually, obviously, it has something to do with the other, whether or not it's it's someone of a, a perceived different race or it's someone from a perceived different country. Um, though, honestly, we're starting to see them try to shoehorn in anti-LGBTQ uh, bigotry under it, uh, if that is the other for them, uh, in which case they say it's the same idea that they're undermining, uh, you know, the, the straight white male uh, through this theory. Um, so, so we do see a lot of that sort of um, uh, everything goes, everything that scares me goes under this umbrella term. Right. Um, now, and then we do see, I'm sorry, what were we saying? Oh, no, please go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. I, I, I could bring up what I was going to say after you're done. Oh, and, and then I was just saying that, and then we do see a coordinated effort uh, uh, to, to, to get to what I think you're alluding to. There are definitely some right-wing think tanks, right-wing operatives, right-wing foundations pushing an agenda behind this current uh, fear-mongering that they've been pushing for decades. And for them, uh, a large part of it has to do with this concept of colorblindness, which is something else that I'm sure a lot of people have heard tossed around, but is often used either incorrectly or misleadingly. Um, oh, I don't see color, Sergio. <laughs> exactly. I don't see color. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I think for a long time, the right wing and, and conservative advocates, um, they try to misappropriate uh, the various times uh, uh, various progressives or liberals have used that term, such as Martin Luther King. Um, uh, they love that quote. They never read any far or any farther beyond Martin Luther King's I have a dream quote uh, about about the children's skin color. But they always focus on that one. Um, but they use this idea of colorblindness to attack any race conscious policy uh, in this country. Uh, think of affirmative action, for example. Um, affirmative action has been something that the right wing has been fighting against uh, since it was invented. Um, it's gone up and down the courts and the, the Supreme Court has consistently held and conservatives have held that uh, affirmative action is still permissible. And more importantly, that race conscious policy that is state action uh, that recognizes race, state action that, as you say, is the opposite of like, I don't see color, I don't see race. State action is allowed to see race in this country because, frankly, all of, uh, American history and American law has always seen history. The Constitution is not actually colorblind, which is something the right wing has often uh, said that they wish they could achieve. Um, but honestly, now uh, they're not even bothering to say the wish part. They're not saying we wish we could achieve this. We wish we could finally convince the Supreme Court to do away and make illegal or unconstitutional race conscious policy and action. Now they're trying to gaslight their audience, uh, their fellow citizens, their fellow Americans into thinking that that's the way it's always supposed to be, that colorblindness is actually constitutionally required that the Constitution was colorblind, that American history is colorblind, that that's what we're striving for. So it, it is the, the height of all sins to bring in critical race theory, which is literally the antithesis of, 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 of the farce of pretending that this history and Americans can't see race, and instead is taking a blunt look at what it means, um, uh, 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 what race means in American society. So uh, there is that coordinated uh, effort to push this idea of colorblindness uh, uh, through attacking critical race theory. But I just wanted to lay out that there's, there's on the one hand, you do have this coordinated effort with talking points and action kits and toolkits and lawyers who know better. Um, and then you do have a semi-organic movement going on, which is just lumping everything together 
And frankly, both both sides work well to what they're trying to do, which is mobilize uh, conservatives around a movement that they hope is going to win the midterms and beyond. Right. I, I totally I totally uh, uh, see what you're saying. But do you think that you know, with that organic movement, which I totally uh, uh, know exists as well. But, you know, it seems like even though these people might have had these beliefs already, like they didn't need to, you know, be be fed talking points to 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 say what they're saying. It seems like, you know, they had these beliefs, but they are able to rally around together now against this one thing that they're calling critical race theory due to those organized groups. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, totally. I mean, you're right. And I think this gets back to the point I was saying before that we've seen this story before. We've seen this trick before, whether maybe two years ago it would have been reverse racism. Reverse racism was a thing that they were going after um, or anti-white racism or affirmative action. Um, and now the new the new code word for this for this racial anxiety, for this white grievance, to be honest, is critical race theory. Um, it, it's something which on the one hand, I do want to, to your point, I, I don't want to over-sensationalize it because it is an old trick that they pull out again and again. But it is a pretty dangerous trick to be doing at this specific period in time where we just had a president who probably ranks pretty far up there as one of our uh, most fascist, most white nationalist presidents in history uh, who denied the election results tried to implement a coup, uh, successfully managed to get Republicans on the state level to follow through in addition to the federal level, which led to an insurrection involving a fair component of white supremacists and white nationalists at the U.S. Capitol against the background of a slew of voter suppression bills being introduced across the country to make sure that we don't have this sort of turnout that we did. That's a pretty dangerous time to start then throwing a mobilization match into your constituents uh, uh, frenzied passion that has such an overt racist tinge to it. We literally had people with Confederate flags in the U.S. Capitol. Right. The crowd that went into the U.S. Capitol were carrying Confederate battle flags. And we're going to start talking now about how uh, there's a conspiracy out there to get all the white people. It seems like playing with fire at a bad time, even if it is, again, an old trick that they've used before and before. Right. Now, this this current, uh, the, the current trick seems to be, it seems to have rooted in, uh, roots in uh, what, in, in the New Yorker, for example, there's a, a piece with the headline, how a conservative activist invented the conflict over critical race theory. And I've seen this individual on TV making his rounds on the show, uh, Christopher Rufo. And um, he seems to be doing exactly what you explained, and he's been open about it, too. Uh, I would like to thank uh, Neil Ripshaft in the YouTube comments for sending me the, the exact quote. Um, the goal – this is from Rufo, I've, uh, and I have it uh, sourced here. Uh, the goal is to have the public read something crazy in the newspaper and immediately think critical race theory. I mean it seems like – Manhattan Institute's Christopher Rufo has has this all laid out and this doesn't doesn't even mind sharing it. That's how uh, you know they're they feel pretty confident in in it working. You're you're absolutely right, and, and thank you to your audience for for pulling that quote. That was something that he ended up tweeting, which uh, a lot of people had been 
convinced that was that was the wizard behind the curtain regardless but he sort of just let it out of the bag and said essentially i'm, I'm just using it as, as an effective phrase to group all these i think he said various cultural inanities under uh and he someone dug up uh the other day uh, a speech he gave uh where a presentation he gave where he essentially said when discussing critical race theory when people are trying to tell him his interpretation of the doctrine is wrong he says, I don't give a shit. Uh, I don't care about any of this. And and again, credit to him, uh, A, for being honest. Uh, he is not. And, and he I don't think he I, 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 when in those honest moments. I mean, clearly he's admitting he's not a critical race theorist. I mean, I'm not a critical race theorist. There's not that many critical race theorists in the country <laughs> because it is such an esoteric uh, uh, subject. As you pointed out before, it's 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 a way of looking at things that you can look on things. It's a similar way of looking at things that many people look at the world uh, within with by that framework without actually calling themselves critical race theorists. But by by in terms of the actual academic study, there's there's not many people, and he's he's self admitted that he's not an expert in that. What he is good at um, is he's he's good on TV. He's been on Fox News a ton. And whether or not he would have been as successful on Fox News as this new anti-critical race theorist activist, if we hadn't had a president who was perhaps the most avid viewer uh, of Fox News of all time, um, who knows? But one of the thing that really catapulted him to fame was he was on Tucker uh, a couple times and apparently uh, the president saw him. Um, and uh, after one of his appearances, talked to his staff, liked what he was saying about critical race theory. Somewhere along the lines, he got uh, the president that is got his staff to draw up an executive order banning crit so-called critical race theory uh, in in federal trainings. Uh, it was it was two executive orders, if I remember correctly. Uh, and and just as these activists that are going against critical race theory sort of put everything under the umbrella, these executive orders also just pretty much were attacking anything that had any semblance of diversity trainings or equity trainings, basically the, the standard human resources, diversity uh, trainings that you see across the country uh, for, 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 for years now. They, they, they try to ban it for all their federal contracts. That got him a lot of attention. He, 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 he claimed credit for it. Uh, he got more bookings on Fox. It was sort of a reinforcing cycle. Admittedly, having the president amplify it doesn't hurt. Um, and he, out of all the guests that started talking about it, he was talking about it the most. Um, when he's on television, again, to his credit, he's I, I, he's obviously admitted he's not an academic expert uh, in those tweets and in, in in that in that in that presentation. But he is an extremely good propagandist, and I say that in in a. I say that not trying to insult him. I'm trying to say that's that's literally what they're doing. Uh, you know, Fox News is a very successful platform for propaganda, and he's very good at uh, channeling his specific topic. He had been on Fox News actually for a while before. He uh, was always a, a conservative, and he would bring on some of his conservative viewpoints on homelessness. I believe he was a political candidate, a local political candidate in in his city, and he he ran on these issues. Homelessness was big on Fox News, so he would talk about that. But at some point, he got the idea to start talking about critical race theory, do his complaining about uh, a multiracial society under that rubric, and it, and it popped. It completely exploded. And it, when other people picked up on it on the local level, when politicians picked up on it, uh, he would just have more to point to and more to talk about. 
online or, or on television. I don't know how connected he is to the think tanks I was referring to before. He was a fellow briefly uh, at one of them, Heritage. Uh, he is, as you mentioned, a fellow at another right-wing think tank, the Manhattan Institute. I don't know how much he was part of their coordinated effort to use critical race theory as a wedge issue. However, there is definitely a coordinated effort now. Uh, the person who wrote that executive order for the Trump administration uh, is a man named Russ Vaught, who used to be a senior official at Heritage Action, which is the C4, the political arm of the Heritage Foundation. Um, they have a C3 and a, and a C4, so one does more political work. Russ Vaught was that senior official at Heritage Action before he was brought into the Trump administration, where he rose to be the head of the OMB, and he was the one responsible for writing that executive order. He clearly was aware of critical race theory. He clearly was aware of perhaps its potential to rally uh, right-wing mobilization and right-wing votes, because we saw recently, as it started exploding on Fox, we saw him set up a new organization called Center for Renewing America. Uh, we can't track down the money yet uh, because the financials aren't out yet. But he obviously, as a heritage uh, official, probably has a lot of connections, uh, old connections to his people back there. Heritage, heritage Action already has been issuing so-called toolkits to fight critical race theory. Uh, heritage Foundation has been hosting events. So he, as someone that was part of that movement, had the skill set to really replicate it. When he came out with his new organization, he had model legislation that people could copy. He had a toolkit that people could copy. It was apparently set up under the patronage of the Conservative Partnership Institute, which is another right-wing organization run by the former Senator Jim DeMint. There are, there are people out there that are coordinated towards a certain political goal. And right now, their political chosen goal appears to be using critical race theory as this catalyst. And again, we've said it multiple times. It is working. Uh, you know, I don't know how much credit we should give the scientists in the lab, whether or not they knew for sure it was going to work or they just saw it and ran with it. Uh, but it, it is working now. And, and as we mentioned, it's, it's a dangerous thing to be messing with at this this point of American history. Right. Now, just a few hours ago uh, on Twitter, a uh, professor, a political science professor at Colorado State uh, University, Dominic Stecula, tweeted out some interesting stats I just wanted to bring up. Um, looking up on Google search trends, critical race theory is currently uh, being searched, uh, has higher search numbers than uh, Donald Trump. And, you know, that might sound good. Oh, people are researching critical race theory. They'll, they'll land on the actual definition that you just gave us earlier and find out, hey, that's not what I'm being told this is, except there's also this. Uh, according to uh, uh, Stecula, 9,923 stories have uh, been produced mentioning critical race theory since the beginning of this year from right-wing media such as Fox, Breitbart, and Daily Caller. It's an average of 57 a day. Out of those 9,923, over 1,000 of them are just from the last week, showing that this is getting at a fever pitch. Now, uh, it seems like, you know, they sort of also know what they're doing. Obviously, they push this stuff. But also, if someone searches critical race theory right now, they're not going to find the, uh, you know, the, 
the uh, more complex terminology and what that means, what they're going to find is all these stories by Fox, Breitbart, and Daily Caller up at the top of Google under the, new, the top news section saying, uh, critical race theory being taught in your kindergarten, your kid's kindergarten, critical race theory uh, teaching uh, your second grader that white people are bad. You know, it's, 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 it's getting to the point where uh, I don't know what the next step would be. Like, they're all, you, you'll tell us a little bit what we're, we're, we're dealing with in terms of uh, these uh, organized efforts at schools, at these meetings. But, you know, uh, I know Media Matters did their own report on just how much Fox News has been mentioning critical race theory on their programming. It's, it's getting to a point where I, I don't know what the next step would be. You're right. I think manipulating the search results is something which is is a phenom- the way we're online connected at this point is a phenomenon that we did not have the previous times that they use scare tactics like this. Um, you know, th- we were not as connected online with such ways for disinformation to spread so rapidly to so many people when the Tea Party was around. Don't get me wrong, it, it, it spread, and Fox News, of course, back then helped it spread. But right now, the types of uh, viral misinformation and disinformation that can spread, the speed with which it can do it, and the damaging lies within uh, the misinformation is really unprecedented. So I, I, this is all new. Uh, this is, again, old tricks at a very new, new, new time, not just because of the historical context, but because of the technological environment that we live in right now, which you were alluding to, you're right. They're, they're manipulating search results. Again, some of it's organic and some of it's definitely not. They know what they're doing. Uh, you know, this is not necessarily a, a right wing tactic. It's a marketing tactic. Right. There's a way to manipulate search results. It's just used for political means. I think I, I, I think one of the things that I'm most concerned about at this point um, is, is the fact that it is more successful uh, than we've seen in the past. And uh, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you another example. Um, this isn't the first time they've tried to uh, uh, spread panic over this specific phrase, critical race theory. Back in uh, 2012, uh, when Breitbart was actually first starting, I'm sure this is going to ring a bell for, for some of your viewers because it rang a bell for me, but I honestly didn't connect the dots until I went back and looked at it. There was a period when Breitbart was young where they tried to uh, attack President Obama by associating him with a so-called radical professor from Harvard Law School, um, who was Derek Bell, who at the time uh, when it oh, happened— I was actually thinking of a different uh, radical that they were connecting him to, but go ahead. <laughs> Oh, uh, Jeremiah Wright, perhaps? Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it was it was the same thing. They were trying to associate him with all these people that they said were radical and dangerous. Um, and Breitbart was just getting in the game, and they teased it, and they said, it's going to be a huge bombshell. And then when it came out, it wasn't a bombshell. Uh, he was associating with literally a, 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 on behalf of a law professor that was extremely well famous. But what they tried to do, try to make it a bigger deal, and again, it, it didn't it didn't work because people just essentially said, so what? It's a Harvard Law professor. He, he went to Ivy League law school and he went to Ivy League schools. It's not a surprise. Uh, but what they tried to do, if you look at the articles, which honestly I, I had not remembered, even though I remembered the episode, I, I looked back and they actually used the specific phrase critical race theory. That was what they were trying to associate Obama with. That's what they were trying to hang uh, on his shoulders. They were trying to say, 
he was supporting someone who supports critical race theory. He, he, granted, Bell was one of the, the, the originators of, of, of critical race theory, along with Kimberly Crenshaw. But they were trying to say that was itself disqualifying and an indication of how dangerous he was. It just didn't pop. It didn't work. I looked at our old content on Media Matters, and although we took apart how absurd it was, we didn't even get into the critical race theory just because no one was picking up. There were not uh, eruptions in local town halls. There were not legislators legislating against critical race theory uh, in large numbers. There were not school board meetings uh, falling apart over parents' outrage about critical race theory. It just didn't work. But if you look at the playbook, they're doing the exact same thing now that they unsuccessfully tried to do then. So, so what's different? I mean, some of the players are exactly the same. The, some of the talking points are exactly the same. So why didn't it work then and it works now? I, I, I honestly don't know. But to get back to your first point about the search results, I, I do think the, the different online environment we find ourselves in, an online environment where uh, bad actors and or right-wing actors have discovered that they can manipulate uh, misinformation and disinformation uh, at a speed and a reach that we didn't think was possible, something that we discovered in 2016 and now we're seeing it again, that might be why. It might be the fact that they tried an old trick, but they tried a new trick in a, a technological environment um, that 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 was more uh, fertile for their efforts. Right now that now that we're on this, actually, let's let's hold off on getting into what Fox News has been up to and, and what's going on at the school boards. Let's actually, while we're on technology, let's jump to that report that just came out that Media Matters put out about what's going on in Facebook groups. Can you tell us a little bit about how these, uh, these uh, you know, both organic and it seems like, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but it does seem like some of the, maybe it's not these groups though, thinking about it, but it seems like there obviously would be some organic organization on Facebook with like parents, you know, putting together like, you know, PTA uh, Facebook groups or something, but get into this report about how Facebook is being uh, weaponized to push this on the right. Of course. So Facebook groups, uh, you know, your grandma's in a Facebook group. They're, they're not uncommon. Uh, they are clearly not an uncommon way of doing civic organizing or political organizing. But what we saw in Media Matters when we did this report is that there has been a, a noticeable spike in uh, Facebook groups that are specifically dedicated to critical race theory, attacking critical race theory, to be accurate. And there's a significant spike in existing right-wing Facebook groups or conservative Facebook groups that have now appropriated the cause and are, and are using it uh, on, on behalf of, of, of their, 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 their past members and rallying new members to their groups. And they're growing. Uh, they're growing uh, at a pretty significant pace uh, with both their old members and the new members coming in. And uh, they're uh, interconnected. There's various chapters uh, and and various groups across the country under the same name, uh, for example. Um, this, again, is, is not necessarily uncommon, but critical race theory is definitely a, a driver uh, of this spike in both the new groups uh, and these old conservative-leaning groups using the term. I think, again, I, I don't want to overstate either end. Some of it is uh, organic, but even if it is organic, they do what you just described. They Google what is critical race theory? Why is everyone talking about it? And then they find these talking points or these Tucker Carlson video clips, which break down in a completely inaccurate <laughs> characterization of critical race theory that fits 
the purposes and mission of these more organized right wing groups out there who I have no doubt are behind some of these Facebook groups. It doesn't have to be, you know, a nefarious right wing plot for it to actually be a right wing web. These people uh, can work at a right wing organization and have their own Facebook group that they organize and their political beliefs and knowledge goes between the two of them. Um, we saw that on Fox News when we published another report, actually. Uh, Fox News, again, old trick. A lot of times when they talk about certain cultural issues or certain issues of the day, they'll have uh, their, their version of a, 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 a their version of a focus group or, or interviewing the, the person on the street. And it's always, you know, concerned citizen or concerned mom and dad, concerned uh, uh, person in a diner. But if you dig into it, often Fox News is getting the local GOP activist, the local conservative politician or the local right wing personality and passing them off as someone totally, totally uh, unconnected or totally partisan. So we looked at the people that they had been bringing on to say that they were concerned uh, parents about critical race theory or concerned community members about critical race theory. And it turned out that uh, a slew of them were GOP activists, uh, right wing media personalities. Uh, some people had actually worked in the Trump administration uh, or for the GOP. And they were being presented as mom and dad or, or concerned citizen. Fox News' defense is always the same. They are a mom. They are a dad. They are a concerned citizen. Sure, but uh, another media organization would probably disclose that. So I think you're probably seeing that same trick online in the Facebook spaces. I think you are probably seeing Facebook groups. And we documented this in the report that you referred to, where these Facebook groups, the administrators, are people that are connected to these right-wing think tanks or are those former GOP or current uh, officials. This is their personal Facebook group. This is their community Facebook group. But they do happen to be parroting the same messaging that the organization they work for uh, is is pushing out uh, on the professional side. So it's it, that's why the terminology, perhaps you know, the the filter between the two, organic and organized, is 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 pretty porous. Um, so I actually the pulled up the uh, on, on the screen here. I just pulled up that report because it's a great report, and and everyone should go. I have a, a link in the description. Fox's anti-critical race theory parents are also GOP activists, and it's really good because what you guys did is you basically pulled up the screen capture, you screen capped how Fox basically introduced all these guests. For example, uh, a man by the name of Ian Pryor. Uh, all, the, uh, all the times he's been on, VA parent. Parents push back. Uh, VA parent slams critical race theory. And it turns out that um, he leads a, uh, a, uh, a, a pack, a super pack, and he... Uh, worked with Jeff Sessions. I yeah. mean, and then you have uh, Keisha King. Mom, CRT separates children by their skin color. And then it turns out that she has also worked uh, as an engagement coordinator for the RNC just this past year. I mean, the list goes on. My favorite was uh, Lilith Van, Van Etzeyen, who was just a, a poor teacher struggling through all this. And then, surprise, surprise, she actually uh, works for Turning Point USA. I mean, it doesn't get any more. Oh, and also, a reporter, she's a reporter for Right Side Broadcasting Network, that, uh, that YouTube channel that literally blew up because they were the main source of every single 
Trump rally speech for since like 2016. They were at every single one of his events cheering him on by showing all of his stuff. It's incredible. It is a great report, really. And I, I really like how you guys made sure to screen cap how they each one of these individuals was introduced. Um, there was one who I don't think that I saw that I don't think was actually uh, uh, with any uh, institution. But what was interesting about her, I can't remember her name. She was like from Maine, I believe. And she was... Uh, overwhelming the school with all these like FOIA requests or whatever. And what ended up happening, what it came out about her was she kept portraying herself as my daughter or my child is a kindergarten student and she's being forced critical race theory in kindergarten. And then later it came out that this woman's child isn't even in kindergarten yet. She doesn't go to the school. And it was just like, she's just like a right winger. Not doesn't seem like she was part of any group, but she was just like, going for it and using it, the, the media time to just get some attention. Uh, but she portrayed it as if her child was already inflicted by this critical race theory lesson in school. And it turns out the kid's not even enrolled yet. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just really wanted to point out how, how great that report was. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think, I think you, you hit it. You hit, hit the nail on the head, so to speak. Uh, this, this is something that they've done frequently. Um, but on the other hand, you do then find folks who... The, the point of misinformation and disinformation is to fool folks. So you will find now and then folks that are totally unaffiliated and are just being fed false information and then they repeat it uh, on, on a platform like Fox News. Um, and I think you see that same dynamic in these Facebook groups. Someone might stumble upon one of these right-wing think tanks talking points that they're pushing out all over the place and they weren't necessarily handed it in a, in a dark parking garage by, you know, an evil operative. They just Googled they, and, and, and they found it, the talking points, and then they put it into their Facebook group. And the uh, concerned parents in that Facebook group bring it up at the school board meetings. And in that way, it's, it's not hard to – and I guess that's why we said semi-organic at the beginning. It's not that hard to push your professional misinformation uh, into the, the bloodstream of the online ecosystem. So someone that's totally unaffiliated picks it up and are, are essentially a dupe uh, for what is, in fact, a well-funded uh, plan to distort and lie and mobilize. Right. Now, let's get uh, – let, let, we have a little bit of time left. Uh, could you stay for a, little, a few more minutes? Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, sure. Um, you know, I, I want to focus now on specifically because uh, uh, Fox News' role, and let me get a little bit into how – you know, the, these parents are now filling up these school board meetings and 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 ha and, and, you know, we have uh, Rod, Ron DeSantis basically uh, signing into law the fact that you have to uh, now teach because of this critical race theory stuff, critical race theory banned in Florida. But you now are forced to teach students uh, to hate uh, anything uh, that would be perceived as communist, which obviously good, good job there. I mean, really, thank thank God. We're not forcing our uh, our beliefs on uh, educators, right? Freedom to teach good old uh, American values, right? But um, I want to focus on Fox News first and, and really hone in on where this is headed because we're now no longer really just talking about a parent doesn't want their first grader, second grader, or third grader, whatever, to hear about uh, the realities of race in this country. We're, we're actually starting to go well beyond that, and nothing is uh, more 
uh, will showcase that more right now than what Tucker Carlson said on his program just no more than an hour ago. Media Matters uh, had clipped it right before we went live, and I grabbed it. Let me play this clip. Pundit after senator after professor after general, each one of them spewing race hate. Whiteness! White rage! Dressed up as some new academic theory. We certainly have the tape. We'll spare you because you've seen it. It's everywhere. The question is, and this is the question that we should be meditating on day in and day out, is how do we get out of this vortex, this cycle, before it's too late? How do we save this country before we become Rwanda? What should we be teaching our children so they can live in the country that you want to live in? A country full of many different kinds of people, many different, but who actually like each other, who are happy to work together, who are united ultimately by the core fact, which is they're all Americans. That is the question. It's something that Victor Davis Hanson has thought a lot about, and we're very happy to have him on tonight. Now, Tucker Carlson said, how do we stop this country from turning into Rwanda as uh, the little, uh, for people who, who are listening to the podcast version of the show, the little uh, graphic next to him as he's saying all this says anti-white mania. I mean, they're basically pushing the uh, white genocide angle now and wrapping that up into critical race theory, which, you know, it's always been, you know, dog whistled and hinted at since I would say since they started wrapping this all up into critical race theory. But now Tucker Carlson, I guess, feels like we don't need to do that anymore. Uh, the parents across this country are already on board. We can just get really specific now and uh, go right at it. And, I, you know, they feel quite brazen, I'm sure. Uh, we could have an entire show about Tucker Carlson. I'm sure you probably either have or you're thinking of one. Uh, Tucker Carlson, he's the most dangerous thing on Fox News right now. He has been dabbling, uh, and by dabbling, I mean throwing it at the top of his hour show. He's been uh, dabbling in white nationalism and now, quite honestly, white supremacy uh, for some time. You mentioned the, uh, I believe you were, meant, you were alluding to the replacement theory, which is a white power, white supremacist theory that everyone is, uh, that on the left, a uh, multiracial democracy, people who support a multiracial democracy are out to replace the white race. Uh, this is something that used to be confined to the really nastiest of the nasty white nationalists, the racist, the racist, white supremacists. But Tucker Carlson's been referring to it for some time in perhaps the most valuable time slot that Fox News has that the advertisers help pay for. Uh, Fox News is okay with this, and he is, without a doubt, uh, causing great damage to uh, this country. What he's pushing onto the air uh, on one of the most uh, powerful media platforms in the country is, is, is either white nationalist or white supremacist propaganda, depending on the night you're watching it. He, he's overt. He's completely overt at this point. He is, uh, white grievance used to be a way of abstractly describing uh, certain political and sociological phenomena. Now he is literally talking about white grievance and spelling it out and talking about how white people have to be afraid and how uh, white people are under attack. He is, is, is taking out the dog whistle. Uh, he is taking out the subtext. He's just putting it in front of everybody, and Fox News is tolerating it. Uh, advertisers are funding it. Um, uh, cable packages are, 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 are helping to keep it sustainable. It, it, it is dangerous. It is extremely dangerous. 
Um, and this is unfortunately for those of you that are are, are, are are watching Fox on a regular basis, not out of character for him. Uh, he's saying a version of this almost every night. As we talked earlier in this show, uh, it was arguably on his show uh, where Chris Rufo kicked off this entire critical race theory uh, uh, scare. And 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 as I, I, I did want to mention, if we have time, I wanted to get back to your DeSantis point, just because all politicians are opportunistic, right? right. They're always going to go for the thing, even if they have principles, they're going to go for the thing that works as well. They're going to try to package their principles in the thing that works. Once they saw the critical race theory was working, they started throwing everything that they could into it. And they had, uh, 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 they had plenty of think tanks willing to give them legislative language. If you look around at the state uh, legislative language that these politicians are pushing, a lot of it is cut and paste. A lot of it is very similar to the model legislation being pushed by these right-wing think tanks. A lot of it is clearly, I'm sure if some of your viewers remember ALEC, uh, the American Legislative Exchange Council from back in the day, it was literally called a bill mill because they would produce this legislation for legislators who were either either too cynical or too uninformed to uh, uh, figure it out on their own. And they would just put their name on it, introduce it, it would get passed, and it would further some uh, right-wing donors' uh, uh, conservative fantasy. Um, this is what's happening right now with this critical race theory legislation. And it's not always under the rubric of, or it's not necessarily literally spelling out critical race theory. Maybe it's spelling out studying divisive views of race which is what they've been attacking, for example, the 1619 Project, uh, the New York Times uh, uh, Pulitzer winning project that examined uh, how, how, how slavery has had uh, such a crucial part of America's creation, not just back then, but the, had a, a contributory effect to the systemic racism we're trying to unravel now. Uh, Republicans at right wing are, are folding that under their attacks on critical race theory, saying we're trying to attack any teaching or any acknowledgement of the veracity of the 1619 Project because it's quote unquote critical race theory. Um, they're attacking the study, they're attacking diversity efforts because quote unquote, that's critical race theory. They're attacking any history that, and to get back to something you were saying, that might make their kid uncomfortable. Any history about uh, uh, racial discrimination in this country that might make their kid uncomfortable, that can't be taught uh, because that's harming white kids. Um, you know, they're basically putting legislation, which is going to brainwash white children, which, to be honest, we have a long history in this country of doing. Um, you know, it's 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 we, we right after the Civil War, you know, it was our first attempt in, during the Reconstruction in a multiracial democracy that failed. Uh, we tried again uh, after the Civil Rights Movement in a multiracial democracy and passed major legislation uh, and, 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 and continuously try to make voting more accessible to a wider swath of the population, that's ebbed and flowed and is currently under attack again. This is something that's brand new, us trying this experiment. And it's not going to help uh, if we go back to the old ways of, of lying to our children uh, about how new and how hard it is to create expand and sustain a multiracial democracy in this country. And that's what they're trying to do. They might have forgotten some history, but apparently they haven't forgotten McCarthyism. Um, you know, the communist angle is a really interesting one. It's good to see that we're going back to clearing communists out of out of out of the schools. Uh, uh, you know, we never can we never can finish that job, apparently. So is it a wedge issue? It is a political issue. Yes, of course. But again, we're seeing a tested and true issue. Perhaps that one's a little older. Um, but they're just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks. Who knows? Maybe that will be the thing that sticks. Maybe we're going to 
make everyone in Congress swear they're not a communist again. I, I don't know. I, I, we're we're going to find out. Um, but it is it, it's it's something that we're going to see on the political level. DeSantis clearly has political ambitions. He clearly thinks that this is a winning issue, uh, even if he changes it a little bit and, and brings in red baiting. Uh, you know, they're going to go with what works. And right now, what we're seeing that works, not just in terms of Republican politics, but also, unfortunately, when it gets back to Tucker Carlson, what apparently gets views in this country is overt white nationalist politics um, uh, with a certain segment just going full on white supremacist. Uh, it's a dangerous, dangerous thing to be doing, especially when the institutional Republican Party has apparently decided that they're going to change the rules of democracy if it doesn't work to their electoral advantage. We're playing with fire. Um, you know, it's something we can laugh about when you watch these idiotic uh, Fox News clips about how they're convinced that communist China, for example, is pushing critical race theory into K-12 education. Yeah, it, it's 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 pretty ludicrous to watch them try to convince their audience of that. But it seems to be working. Right. I mean, I'll say this, you know, and I guess to end it here, I don't think I've ever seen um, parent school board meetings get so much media attention. It's incredible. I mean, listen, if you are somewhere in this country where like, you know, maybe – uh, you know, they're they're you know, you're not in like New York where there's just like morning shows filming all the time and you can just walk by the window and wave on TV. If you're somewhere in this country where that doesn't exist and you've always dreamt of just being on TV for even a minute, just go to your local school board meeting and the video will probably appear on Fox News at some point. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's it's a it's a brave new world and uh it's it's a dangerous place to be playing these old games in. Sergio Munez, Policy Director at Media Matters for America. Thank you so much for joining me tonight and for walking us through this. Uh, really, Media Matters has been doing absolutely the, the, some of the best work I've seen on this. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough. Really, really good. Uh, and I'll continue to monitor this uh, via you guys. Thank you very much for having me and happy to be back anytime. Take care. Have a great night. Take care, Matt. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining the show. We're going to go to the second half of the program now. And let me first just pull me up here. There we go. And uh, before we do that, though, some, uh, some notes. The show is not over. Uh, don't be fooled if you're new here. We still have a lot more show to go. This is just the first half. Now, there are a few new people, uh, quite a, probably, probably more than a few new people, because... Uh, of the events of the past week that we'll talk about more um, on the second half of the program. But um, what we're going to do now, for people who are unaware, basically the first half of the show is the interview, and that's over. And this is where we say goodbye then to the podcast listeners who aren't paying subscribers via Patreon. However, if you're watching live, oh, which is all of you right now who I'm talking to on YouTube and Twitch. Or if you are a paying subscriber on Patreon, you get to stick around. Now, uh, if you'd like to support this show, go to patreon.com slash Uh If you can financially do so, I would really appreciate the support. If you cannot financially do so, times are tough, I understand Please, 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 please take care of yourself, your family first. Don't even think. 
Don't even think of giving me your money. I'll throw it back into your face. And uh, the people who I don't throw the money back into their face, I'm going to thank them right now. Especially, I'm going to name drop the people who just became subscribers over this past week. Since last week's show, uh, the following people have become patrons. Indira S., thank you so much for becoming a patron. And I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce your first name correctly. Please correct me if I didn't, because I would like to get it right. Um, David T., thank you so much for becoming a patron. Colin S., thank you so much for becoming a patron. Uh, Dinesh, Dinesh J., thank you for becoming a patron. And Patrick M., thank you so much for becoming a patron. And I want to read this. Uh, where is it? I just saw it today. I need to get back to them. One second here. Okay. So Mark S. sent me a message today on Twitter. Matt, I just finished your episode on the legacy of Rush Limbaugh. Took me a while. I have too many podcasts to keep up with. Don't worry. I completely, I seriously, completely understand that. Uh, too much out there. It's too much. Too much. Which is why I really appreciate when you make the time for me. Um, and I just had to give you mega kudos. I grew up in Sacramento and actually heard him before he went national. I even called in a couple of times. And he was a huge influence on the formation of my early political identity. That's why it's hugely important for the truth to be told. Side note, I canceled my patron subscription to Doomed last year just because I couldn't support all these shows I wanted to. But I just decided I have to support your work and just resubscribed. Mark, first I want to apologize. I just realized this was a DM if you didn't want this read. I don't think there was anything whatsoever identifiable. I uh, just named you Marques. Probably lots of Marqueses out there. Uh, but I really appreciate that, and it means a lot. And uh, thank you so much for re-upping your patron uh, subscription. Uh, also, if you are watching on YouTube and you don't want to subscribe because, you know, subscriptions, ugh, I get it, uh, And but still want to give a, a, a one-off, uh, uh, you know, a little tip, monetary tip or donation, you can drop a super chat or a super sticker right there in the YouTube chat. Uh, and I will 100% read your uh, YouTube super chat. That is a guaranteed read. You send a super chat, it is guaranteed to be read. If you're not into watching the show live, you don't like seeing my face on your video, on your screen, you know, video of me, ugh, I get that too. Uh, you can listen to the podcast version of the show. I usually get it up as soon as possible, which is like the next day or two. Uh, I also have been trying to, um, you know, uh, get a little bit of extra out of the live stream. So I haven't been posting it right away. You probably have noticed. Uh, I'm really trying to promote this YouTube channel. And if you're not subscribed right now, youtube.com slash Matt Binder. Subscribing to the YouTube channel is free. I also noticed right now, pretty big Twitch audience, bigger than usual. Twitch.tv slash Matt Binder. Follow me there too. Listen, I know there's hardcore Twitch people just last episode, last week, Hardcore Twitch uh, uh, viewers inside the uh, chat trying to convince me to, to do more Twitch stuff. 
if that Twitch channel grows uh, to even a small percentage of what the YouTube channel is growing to, uh, I will certainly do Twitch only stuff uh, without a doubt. It's just like right now it doesn't make sense. I have a bigger audience on YouTube and the Twitch audience is still small. But help me grow the Twitch audience, twitch.tv slash MattBinder. You'll get extra stuff. Uh, by the way, you already got extra stuff this week because I, on Monday, if you are unaware, uh, decided to do a last-minute stream. Hold on, I need a drink. Uh, the H3H3 episode where they brought on Sam Cedar to ambush Steven Crowder dropped that night. And I was like, I got to watch this with everybody. So I did a stream. I think we peaked at like 1,300 viewers, which, listen, this is a small channel. 1,300 uh, concurrent viewers is a lot. I think the video as a whole is at like 23,000 views. Again, I mean, I have a few videos that outdid that. But uh, not many. So that's a big, big one as this show is growing and this channel is growing. So I really appreciate everyone who tuned in on that Monday. I apologize to the patrons for not giving you a heads up. I decided last minute. I thought I remembered to do everything. I forgot to post it to the Patreon page. I, I apologize. I know some of you are very, very upset with me and you had every right to be. Um, you could also support this show by, ooh, I got to tell you guys this. We had some bad news actually. You guys have been doing a great job leaving podcast reviews on Apple Podcasts. But, unfortunately, it seems like, probably related to all this, someone was not too happy with me and left me a couple of bad ratings on uh, uh, on Doomed between Monday and today. And um, my five-star perfect Apple Podcast rating is now a measly, disgusting, embarrassing 4.5. I, I can't accept that. I can't accept that, especially being that this show has always been a five, except for that one other time where I asked you guys to help me out because this happened once before. So if you haven't left an Apple Podcasts review yet, go to ratethispodcast.com slash doomed. It'll provide you all the links where you can leave podcast reviews, including Apple Podcasts. And please, please, please leave a review. You leave it just a star review. I really do appreciate written review. You don't have to write someone. I read someone's someone re, re, wrote wrote, uh, wrote like a, a whole essay, uh, admi uh, admiring me and and loving me and and talking me up. And it was great for my ego. But you don't have to do that. You could just write whatever you want. Uh, but help me get back to that five star five star rating. So what do we? What, what, what was I getting at? We got the Patreon. We got the yeah, follow me on Twitter at Matt Binder on Instagram at Matt Binder wherever you're on social media. Type in Matt Binder, follow me there, and you know just I, I mostly on Twitter. But you never know. You never know what else I'm gonna post. I'm 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 uh, you know. You can't you can't. I'm having a mental block right now. What just went on? My mind just went blank. I'm unpredictable like that. That's what I wanted to say, and then all of a sudden I forgot the word unpredictable. Um, folks, we are actually, we broke through, uh, remember I said we were stuck at like a Patreon number for a while? We, we've just slightly broke through that number because what would happen was we get a few more pa new patrons, a few patrons had to leave. We got a few new patrons, a few patrons had to leave. We were like stuck in a range. We've broke through that for the first time by just like a few patrons. Um, if we can, 
I'm actually thinking like hardcore about like really, really been really thinking about it lately. Um, doing more shows and what would help me do more shows, like I said, more shows every week. And what would help me do more shows is to have regulars, you know, not like a guest you invite on to, to, um, to, you know, just talk about an article they did or something they're working on, like someone to depend on to do this show with me. Uh, not every show. Doomed would still be my Thursday. Doomed would still be my thing. But anyway, we do an extra show each week where maybe I bring on a regular who does the show with me. Um, if we could get, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say double. That's 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 too much. If we could hit like fifty uh, percent more patrons, I would get someone to do a second show with me on a regular basis. So it would be easier for me to do that second show. And still do this show uh, that would be sure be unchanged. I would love to do that, but I'm probably gonna also end up doing like a few more last minute type stream stuff like we did on Monday, uh, a little bit more off the cuff and not so prepared. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll try to do that more too. Um, and a few more notes actually. Number one, um, next week we're still working out the details. I will likely be debating a uh, a podcast that I don't want to I don't know if you could classify them as leftist but I'm not gonna be an a-hole and not classify them as on the left somehow I guess the uh the the uh, I call them the Jimmy Dore left uh because that's you know the the ideology I'm not knocking them because that's the ideology the same as Jimmy Dore I'm talking about Convo Couch I don't know if you've heard of them um one of the hosts of Convo Couch reached out to me over uh, after the Stephen Crowder Sam Cedar debate, and uh, was very uh, negative about Sam, which baffled me. Being that if you see a uh, a right winger debating a left winger, even if it's a left winger you're not really a fan of or friendly with, just by the fact that that person has more in common with you you probably wouldn't use that opportunity to dunk on that leftist or that person on the left. Yeah, that's what this person did. And uh, so, you know, they also knocked my uh, my Boogaloo Boy video that I did earlier this year where I called out Jimmy Dore for having a Boogaloo Boy on the show. Um, and he said he wanted to debate me. So I said, yes, of course, I... He sort of framed it like I'd be too chicken or scared to do it, which, listen, if there's anything anybody knows about the majority report and the people who are even connected to the majority report in any way who aren't Sam Cedar, we will never turn down a debate. We're not the debate me bros who are like, and you know, uh, Delhi Collar tried to push it like that, where Sam Cedar was a debate me bro. We're not the type that go around going debate me, debate me, debate me, like they do. They, you know, they the right for the longest time they were like, why won't any lefts debate me? AOC debate me said Ben Shapiro, and he wanted to pay her money and and really uh, harassed her about it uh, when she wouldn't. Um, but if you want to debate us, all you got to do is ask. I would never in a million years turn that down. So we will be debating whether the left should unite with the Boogaloo Boys, which, I mean, not to not to be a Steven Crowder, but if there ever was a layup for me, it's that topic. I'm not saying this guy is going to be, I'm not going to, I don't, I don't disparage people, but I'm saying when it comes to this topic, 
you really don't want to debate right-wing uh, reactionary groups and movements with me. I'm sorry. You just seems like a bad idea. Seems like a bad idea for you. But but we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Um, it'll be fun for me. Should the left unite with the Boogaloo boys? My God. Um. So it's the convo couch. One of the people from the convo couch. I don't, maybe it'll be both of them. I don't even know. They didn't tell me nothing. But also, 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 um, for those of you who don't know, I should give a little background uh, if you didn't catch Monday really quick. Sam Cedar finally uh, uh, got his his dream come true. In a way, he uh, Ethan Klein of H3H3 was set to debate Stephen Crowder. Um, Crowder went after him, calling him a layup like I just uh, mentioned. Uh, Ethan Klein doesn't do a podcast, uh, doesn't do a political show. He's like a YouTube pop culture entertainment of type YouTuber, really big, bigger than Steven Crowder even. He's something like 6 million subscribers on YouTube. So he knew about uh, Sam wanting to debate Crowder because Crowder's been running from Sam for years because one of his producers is a fan of the Majority Report. Uh, so he surprised Steven Crowder during the debate by bringing Sam's feed, like pulling Sam's feed into the Zoom call. Crowder freaked out. Absolutely freaked out. I watch Mondays. I'm, I don't want to, you know, spend uh, too much time again on this. Uh, I mean, I do, but maybe we'll do it in the second half. This is just the first half. We'll go to the second half shortly. Um, and uh, you know, uh, they uh, really uh, Crowder was really really upset to see Sam there. They proceeded to uh, mock Sam's looks uh, with some anti-Semitic dog whistles about how Sam looks like he has small, beady, soulless eyes. At the time, I just caught the Peanuts reference, and I know that we on the Majority Port have been portrayed as Peanuts characters, and I could see how Sam resembles a Peanuts character in that way. But I had missed what his uh, Stephen Crowder's sidekick had said about the soulless eyes, and then when you combine that with... Crowder constantly talking about Sam's velveteen rabbit eyes. Uh, it's pretty clear now to me that it wasn't a Peanuts reference, even though he mentioned Peanuts. It was an anti-Semitic dog whistle. Um, and uh, so all that went down. Again, Catch Monday stream. It's on YouTube for more details. Literally, we did like two hours on it. Um... And I'll, you know, I'll, I didn't upload it to the podcast stream because I didn't know if it was, if it translated. But what the hell, I'll do it, right? I'll, I'll upload uh, that to the podcast stream and I'll upload this to the podcast stream, um, back to back. Um, and Tim Pool gave his two cents about it, saying how it was, you know, Cedar was grifting by doing that and trying to. Uh, create some YouTube drama and whatever. I mean, clearly it was uh, Sam's way of just getting Crowder to uh, face him face to face. I don't think Sam expected anything more from it. He, he certainly got more from it, I'll tell you. Um, and so I went back and forth with Tim Pool and we got into, uh, he DM'd me and I DM'd him. And it seems like, unless Tim Pool uh, changes his mind, I hope not, because I know since he has banned Sam Cedar from going on his show, but I am not Sam Cedar. 
Uh, I am my own person. Uh, I have not done whatever it is that Tim Pool is upset with Sam about. Uh, Tim Pool has said he will have me on the show sometime in July. I will be going down to the Tim Pool compound. I will be sitting in the same room as Tim Pool and his hosts. Listen, I've seen this show many times. It looks now that now uh, he had reached out to me in October, same when he uh, was reached out to Sam. Uh, when Sam was uh, when Sam called him out for uh, him want Sam wanted to do it over uh, Zoom or something, and Tim said no, you have to come into the studio, and they had a back and forth. Listen, I'm not gonna. It's if this if Tim wants people to go into studio, that's his show, his prerogative, sure. But I think also Tim has to be understanding if even though he says he did all the proper uh, COVID regulations, I I'll believe I believe him. I believe him. I'm not gonna. I don't have any proof otherwise. I I looked at. Uh, seems like everyone who continued to go to his show and go into the studio over the past year, no one got sick. So he did it, he did it right. Um, but you never know. And so last year before the vaccine and when there was a second wave, uh, I, I felt like I could not go because the time of the year, I have small children. My small children get to see their grandparents. We were very, very careful. Um, and I couldn't be the, the weak link there. So I, I couldn't go in October. I think Tim is being understanding of that. Um, and at least for my scenario, hopefully. Uh, uh, and he's going to invite me in July. He, that's what he said. And he said uh, he'll get to me soon, and it'll probably be the last two weeks of July. I'm very much looking forward to it. Really, I am. Uh, there's nothing that I am uh, would rather do than engage with people on the opposite side of the political ideological spectrum. I, I I did it with Caitlin Bennett, the Kent State gun girl. She was one of the first guests on the show. Unfortunately, it was before we were doing it on YouTube. It was when I just was doing a podcast version of this show. But it does exist. You can listen to it. We were very, very cordial with each other. This is before she blew up and became the Kent State gun girl. This was when she was just the Turning Point USA diaper girl. Um, I mean, I did call her out. I didn't, you know, I didn't pull my punches, but it was a respectful debate. Uh, I had on a uh, a Trump supporter, a young black conservative, and we had a debate. And I thought that went well. He, me and him, very cordial. Uh, he actually, honestly, I know he's still a conservative, but he continued to talk with me for a while. And it seemed like he was at least starting to, uh, I don't want to say go left, but not be as conservative on some of the very issues me and him had discussed. Uh, everyone knows I did the classic, and it was my first ever YouTube debate, the classic Paul Elam, Matt Binder, men's rights activist debate. Uh, I debated uh, the, uh, at the time at least he was, he seems to have, his profile seems to have dropped since, but the king of the men's rights activists, Paul Elam, me and him debated. And I think that was very cordial as well. I'll, I know, uh, you know, we, we went at it. We were angry with each other, but it was all based on the issues. No one was calling each other names. So, you know, Tim, you'll get the same from me. Uh, I actually don't know what we would debate about. Uh, it seems like he has people on, judging by, I did watch uh, at least parts of his Vosh debate and parts of his Destiny debate. 
And I have tuned in every now and then to uh, portions of his regular show to see what's going on, what he's up to, what he's talking about. And I do enjoy the format, even though the topics and the analysis isn't quite in agreement with me. But I enjoy the format of them just looking at the news and discussing it. And I'd actually think that would be the, the perfect way to do it. Just whatever's in the news that day, me and him debate it. But if he wants to debate a certain specific issue, I'm down with that too. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be a good time. It'll be a good time. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. And I do think there'll be uh, an extra, there'll be extra, uh, there'll be a spark in the air being that this will happen in person in the same room. I agree with him in terms of the fact that there's something to it that you would do this with someone in the same room. Sure, no doubt about it. I just, I think the issue last year was people wanted him to be understanding of this very specific issue with the pandemic. But, you know, I, I understand why he wants to do it in person and I look forward to it. Hopefully we, we uh, he, he, uh, he cements a date and gives it to me. Last I heard, we were going to do it sometime during the last, uh, the end of July. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is the first half of the show. I am now going to the second half of the show. You can all stick around uh, if you're watching live. Patreon.com slash MattBinder, once again, if you can support this show. Um, and uh, other than that, uh, see you all next week. Oh, the Convo Couch debate will probably be next Wednesday. So it'll be before the next show. I just wanted to add that in there. So the next time you see me, actually, if you're if you tune in, might be when I debate the combo couch uh, people. Uh, again, follow me on Twitter, uh, on YouTube, uh, via Patreon, however you, you can, um, and uh, I'll make sure to give you guys the up-to-date information as soon as I receive it, for sure. Other than that, see you all next time on Doomed.